and welcome to the So Novel Podcast. I'm your host Jess and in this fortnightly podcast I will be chatting all things books as well as interviews with authors, publishers and bookstagrammers. So whether you're looking for your next read or you want to know the story behind the story then this is the podcast for you. On today's episode, I chat to Laura, who is one half of Secret Book Stuff. Secret Book Stuff is a social enterprise spreading kindness and love of literature. Amy and Laura started at markets, went on to open a bookstore at the station in the heart of Newcastle, run a secret books club, an online store, and are now in the planning stages of motoring around Australia to spread their message. Laura and I chat about the development of Secret Book Stuff the amazing opportunities the business has seen, the impact of COVID on their business, and some of the interesting things Laura has experienced while working at bookstores. Here is Laura. Hi, Laura, and welcome to the Sew Novel Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Now, as we were just talking about, Amy was unable to join us today because she's not 100%, but that's okay. We will still soldier on without her. Yeah, as we will. (laughs) Now, today we're going to talk about your business and Amy's as well, uh, Secret Book Stuff. So tell us a bit about how it came about and what is your next venture? Oh, so Secret Book Stuff started as a random act of kindness project by Amy uh, back in 2017. Um, basically she was moving overseas, uh, she had this whole thing planned and, um, she needed to get rid of her massive book collection, um, you know, thousands of books basically. Um, and she would wrap them up and leave them around town. You know, she started an Instagram page and then people started to contact her to ask if they could send a book out, uh, to somebody else because, you know, obviously it was very Newcastle based at the time. Uh, so, you know, that it, it pretty much really propelled from there. Um, and kindness has always been at the heart of everything that we do um, here at Secret Book Stuff. Um, I guess I joined, I think it was 2018. Um, I was feeling like really lackluster in terms of what I was doing work-wise. So it was really, you know, Amy sat me down. It was like really formal, like we'd only been together not that long. And, you know, we sat down and um, started to talk about, you know, what, what I was doing and where Secret Book Stuff was. And basically she asked me if I wanted to help out at markets and I said, sure, let's do it. Um, and then basically the rest is kind of history. And now I guess Secret Book Stuff has evolved. It's an ever-changing, ever-growing thing. Um, you know, we've morphed into an online bookshop. We had a physical bookshop for a time um, right here in Newcastle. Um, and basically now we're moving towards you know, focusing on our secret book club, um, as well as our, you know, events that we're running with authors and the like. In terms of our next venture, (laughs) um, we recently bought a van and it's been a dream of mine personally for a long time and Amy's as well. We love to travel um, and a big thing for us, you know, in 2019, we spent the majority of the year on the road, um, you know, donating books to uh, kids in rural communities, you know, teaching kindness workshops at schools and that kind of a thing. And obviously, we all know what happened in 2020. So that was not um, possible. So yeah, basically, that's kind of like what what happened. Um, But then we really want to get back to that, because, you know, rural communities, there's 
bookshops are of a dying breed, especially out there. And now with bigger conglomerates, you know, pulling out of regional communities or not being able to sustain that, you know, that that's such a link to books for people in rural communities. So we're turning our van into a book bus <laughs> um, and basically going to be traveling around um, setting up you know, a mobile bookshop wherever we can. Yes, I love that. That is such a cool concept. So did the idea of the van come about um, as a result of COVID and the impact it had on both the business and both of you personally? I think like with COVID, we were one of the very lucky, you know, list of businesses, I guess, that actually did really well out of COVID. I don't like saying that phrase, but you know, everyone was at home and kind of was turning to these slower practices. And I think that a lot of people are carrying this through now into their lives. Um, so, you know, and books, books can take you anywhere. Like that's, you know, the thing. So, and then also a lot more people are just, you know, choosing to holiday at home and they're spending a lot more time at home. So reading has been slowly creeping back into their um, repertoire and I think we were trying to stay away from screens because all we were seeing are news and news updates. So, but I think we made the decision to close the shop um, because it just wasn't the right location for us. You know, bookshops need foot traffic. They need constant, you know, surprises of customers. And we have a really great, amazing, loyal fan base, like both here, you know, so, so modest, as I say, fan base, um, community, I'll say, um, here in Newcastle that, you know, would come from far and wide to visit us at the shop, but we were missing those, oh yeah, bookshop. I've been looking for, you know, this, that, and the other. So um, we wanted to move. We didn't really want another stationary shop. Um I really love the job that I have now too and we didn't have, you know, the physical time to be able to, you know, be in a shop. Um, but it's 24-7 <laughs> is the job. Um, so, and we wanted a way that we could be mobile um, and take our work and books on the road, I guess, like most people as a result of COVID. Yeah, cool. Because talking about your job that you're doing at the moment, so both of you are writers, which I did not know until very recently when I was watching your Instagram story. Tell us a bit more about being self-employed either as a writer or a business owner and what are some of the challenges you've faced or even surprises you've had along the way? Oh gosh, I feel like I guess the best way to tell this story is I started freelance writing when I um, had no money and needed tickets to concerts that I wanted to go to. Um, <laughs> budding writers, music, um, you know, writing and music journalism is a really great way to get into it um, and you do get a lot of the perks, I guess, like by free tickets and stuff like that, but it is a crazy life to live. Um, so that's pretty much how I started. I didn't even know what a freelancer was. I didn't know what an ABN was. I just knew that I loved to write and that was pretty much it. I like, This is really embarrassing, but I didn't even know what the term copy meant. So when they would say, oh, you know, can you just send the copy through? And I was like, okay, sure. Sounds great. And I, you know, like I really did learn along the way. Um, and, you know, Amy um, finished her PhD, um, you know, she's written a novel, she's like been writing for such a long time, has worked at professional agencies, you know, she's a freelance editor and writer and, you know, proofreader, she does so many different things, she's always got 10,000 balls in the air juggling them, um, and I feel like working for yourself is, it's tough, 
but it's also incredibly rewarding in that you're not sharing that reward with anyone else because when you have these successes, they are they're yours and, you know, they've come from this like thing inside of you basically and it's like all of this hard work that you have put in um, and when you really start to see, you know, the fruits of your labour come to fruition, nothing kind of beats that, that feeling um, of success I think. But, um, yeah, and then, you know, working as a partnership, as the business, it's kind of like, you know, we're in a relationship but we also work with each other and it's kind of like, well, you know, there's a, there's a really fine line between separation because life and work, they're just one um, big ball of watercolour, basically. <laughs> How did you find going about that separation? Did you have some type of rule in place that you didn't discuss work you know when you're at home or how how does that work especially when you run an online business I guess during COVID as well there was no separation at all like (laughs) you know like I I love to be like yeah you know we've we've really set clear boundaries and you know we're doing all this no I try really hard to set boundaries and Amy will attest to this but um it's also really tough because you know, Amy's the one who's really on top of it in terms of the logistics of the business. And she's often, especially because I've been doing lots of things outside of the business, especially during COVID. Um, And so, you know, she's really been this driving force and she knows how much stuff needs to get done. So a lot of the time, as much as I'm like, can we just like hang out? And she'll be like, yeah, but like, let's write books at the same time as hanging out kind of thing. So, you know, it's really tough because even as much as you want that separation and how great it is, sometimes, you know, you do have deadlines to meet and you do have things that need to get done because unlike, you know, going to a job where you're employed or like working with someone else that if you don't do it, your business goes under. Like it's not like, oh, my boss is unhappy with me. I might get fired. It's like, well, this is my livelihood. And so I either want to keep it alive and make it thrive or I don't. Do you feel like something is missing in your day now that you both kind of have individual day jobs and art together maybe as much? It's definitely really strange because I feel like for me personally, I have such a creative job. So I work for um, Swell Magazine here in Newcastle, which is like a quarterly print publication as well as a design agency um, attached. So I write a lot of copy and I'm always doing really creative things. And the one person that I really love to bounce off, I turn and, you know, Amy's not there when I'm trying to be like, oh, does this make sense? You know, I still you know, she's the proofreader of the family and like, I'm a typo queen. So, you know, like we work really well together. Um, And I think when you work alongside somebody that you love and somebody that you're in a relationship with, like it's, you know, a lot of unspoken things come out all of the time. And I feel like, you know, you miss tone and you miss, you know, that kind of sharing, but um, we are like literally talking every day. Sometimes I feel like, and, and every minute of the day, like texting, sometimes I feel like that episode of The Office where Pam goes to work in New York and they've got like the Bluetooth on constantly all day. Like I feel like that that would be so much more convenient for us because, you know, like we're constantly going. Amy's brain is a million miles a minute. So we're still in constant contact. But, yeah, I miss, you know, those those day to day because it's really fun. I really love working alongside Amy and that's, you know, the thing that I miss, I guess, when we're not in the shop together. Yeah. (laughs) Now, as we were saying before about your bookish events, you've had some amazing events in the past, including 
the brilliant Harry Potter event that you held at the station. And then just this week you held a book launch for Samantha Wills and her book of Golden Dust. And you also have a setup coming at the Conscious Space next weekend. Tell us what kind of planning goes into these events. Uh, I guess like so much planning. So alongside my writing, I come from a massive background in event management, um, especially in the background of music festivals and also weddings. So I feel like if you want to be prepared for anything, work in the wedding industry. Um, So I like to plan, you know, I'm a spreadsheet queen, you know, I like to plan very specifically. And so, you know, we're minimising the risk of anything going wrong. Um, for example, the Samantha Wills event, like we worked with an amazing venue. Um, Alan and Unwin were really great and so great to us um, in terms of the logistics. And um, Samantha was such a wonderful person to interview. You know, we did a really in-depth conversation and, you know, both Amy and I have done many profiles in our lives, like writing-wise, and I feel like it was really great to be able to do that, you know, in front of an audience um, and also, you know, that like we didn't really plan as strategically for that um, because I wanted to see the conversation flow um, and it was really nice to see, um, you know, that kind of happen. But, you know, there was still we had to order the books and we had to make sure we had enough and, you know, you've got ticketing and promotions and all this kind of thing. And um, in terms of the conscious space, like it's been obviously such a massive event because it's not just, you know, a market, it's like a it's a branding expo. So you're trying to put your best looking self for your business forward. So there's a lot of planning, um, especially because it's located in Sydney. So we're staying down there for four nights and it's like, you know, then it's like the personal things of what do we do with the dogs and like, you know, all of these kind of things. So lots of planning goes into everything. um, And we're always a little bit extra because we always want things to look as wonderful as they look in our brains. So yeah. And how do these opportunities come about? Like with Samantha Wills, were you approached by Alan and Unwin or do you guys approach, um, like with the Conscious Space, approach them um, for marketing? So with um, the Samantha Wills event, Alan and Unwin contacted us because Samantha wanted to work with other small businesses. So she didn't want to do you know, um, bigger events where it was just, you know, another big conglomerate and it was kind of like a conveyor belt type situation. Um, So they contacted us um, on a recommendation from Samantha and speaking to Samantha's publicist, Laura, from Allen & Unwin was such a great experience. You know, she never wanted us to be out of pocket or anything like that. So that was just, I kind of see it as like a bit of luck, but like luck pushed up by a lot of hard work, you know, from us to build the brand and the company, I guess, or business that we have now. In terms of the conscious space, we just applied like any other vendor. So, you know, there are some really great brands like that are going to be at the conscious space. So you've got Koala mattresses, for example, and, you know, like Twoobs, which are really making, you know, a lot of waves like Peppermint Magazine are going to be there. So, It's more of a matter of like, this is a really great business decision. And I'll be super candid in saying that Amy was the one who knew that this would be a good idea. It took me a long time (laughs) to get on board and now I'm 100% on board and I'm really excited for the event. Yeah. Yeah. Now you were talking before about, um, I guess your mission is kindness, to, uh, to spread kindness. And you run the business as a social enterprise. So you donate your profits to some amazing charities. Tell us about the charities that you've donated to over the years. 
So um, we've worked with uh, rural aid, uh, predominantly with our secret book boxes. Um, so $5 from every box goes towards that charity. And that was a really great one, especially, you know, 2019 where it was just drought, um, you know, dry, dry everything. Um, so that was really important to us. Um, and we've also worked with Camp Out as well, which basically provides, you know, a camp for LGBTQIA plus um, kids and teens to be able to go and have a safe space and, um, you know, feel like themselves, I guess. So, you know, that charity work was something that was so important to us. Um, and we also work with, you know, one for one models. So we've got for every book we sell, uh, every secret book we sell, we donate one on. So basically because of COVID, we've got a full storage shed now of books that are ready to be donated. Um, and, you know, we also, for every book we sell, we also plant a tree. So we work with one tree planted. So I think um, setting up the business, Amy's, you know, mission, like when Secret Book Stuff first started, she was working with the Newcastle Basket Brigade. So they deliver hampers to, um, you know, families in need at around Christmas time. So, and that was when it was, you know, for every book we donated to. So Amy's just this like, beautiful uh bleeding heart human who just wants to do good and she believes wholeheartedly in kindness and I've never seen that like that in anyone else that I've ever met um so she's yeah the queen of kindness so I you know that is what secret book stuff is all about it's you know spreading that bit of magic and you know making reading you know cool and fun and interesting again because it's not just you know for for older people it's um young people and people like us basically yeah, definitely. Going on further from that, like I feel like COVID has really made way for people finding their love of reading again, like you were saying before with the business and especially um, Bookstagram. And you guys are quite, uh, have a large following on um, Instagram. Tell us a bit about how the Bookstagram community has impacted your business in that have you found that maybe you've got more marketing in that from the bookstagram community because you know of sharing and comments I think that the Instagram algorithm is impossible for anybody to crack I feel like rain man every time I try to think about it I think that you know, our following has grown quite organically. We try to reach out to a lot of different influences at times, but you just, you just never know. Like you literally never know. And, you know, I work in social media now and you just, it's just luck basically and a lot of hard work and, you know, the, the hoops keep moving is what I say about Instagram. So I think that our following has continued to grow because we're posting lots of authentic content. So, Amy and I have the very same view of Instagram in terms of like we always try and be transparent in terms of, you know, we're not over filtering our content. You know, this is who we are and this is what we do. You know, obviously anyone has elements of private their private life that they'd like to keep private. But I think that a lot of the time, you know, the reels that we make, we just have so much fun making them because they're us. That's what we do at home. You know, that's how we talk to each other. That's how we we play and a big part of our relationship is that fun and that play. So, um, you know, I think that has really helped our following. To be honest, it's like such a surprise to me, always thinking about, you know, 10,000 people are seeing us, you know, doing these weird and crazy things. But, you know, we kind of see it as, you know, this is our next opportunity to take 
secret book stuff into a place that we've never been um, and to once again push that love of reading onto people who might be on the fence about it. Yeah, definitely. And as you'll say before, you have the Secret Book Club subscription. Can you tell us a bit about this? Give us a bit of a shameless plug. A bit of a shameless plug. So basically uh, we have our three and six month book club. Um, so basically you jump on the website um, and you tell us what you or your friend like to read. And it's our favorite thing about secret book stuff because we get to pick, you know, the book that we think that you're going to love next. And we're pretty on the money. That's like a you know bit of a shameless plug, but we're pretty on the money. You know, we know books, we love books. We're all about that bookish life. Um, and we're booksellers, you know, by trade because that's, you know, what it is. But I think that, um, you know, and, yeah, we send a book to your door every single month. You give us feedback on what you liked or what you didn't like. Everyone always comes with a handwritten note. Like, you know, that's the kind of thing that we love to do. And um, because when we had the physical shop and, you know, pre-COVID, we also had our readers club. So we saw how that community you know, it's really important to a lot of book readers are, you know, incredibly introverted. And despite what it looks like on Instagram, Amy and I are both of those people. So, you know, having the secret book club and being able to send these beautiful books out to, you know, people all around Australia and sometimes overseas as well. Um, it's really such a great thing. And it's really what we love to do. And we want everybody to sign up for the secret book club, basically. Yes, they should. Absolutely. <laughs> now we are going to chat about our last now next reads. So Laura, would you like to start us off with what your last read was and what were your thoughts on it? Yes, I definitely can. Um, just like furiously scrambling to remember the title. So um, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm reading How We Fight for Our Lives by Say Jones at the moment. So this is recommended um, to me by um, one of my favourite members of our Secret Book Club community, um, a friend of ours, Julia, she's like reads incredibly widely, but she's also very snobby about the books that she reads. So there's not a lot of recommendations that I'll take on board, um, but hers is the one that I will always take on. And I first heard of Say Jones when I read his poem in The New Yorker um, called Strangers. So um, it's this very beautiful, poetic kind of memoir-esque uh, book and I'm listening to it at the moment and I've just absolutely fallen in love with it. Um, just really great writing. I really love it. Yeah, I haven't heard of that one. I'll have to check it out. And what is, are you, do you have a current read at the moment? Um, so I guess that's like more my current read. What I would like to get back into is I read a lot of vintage cookbooks. Nice. So um, I'm reading a lot of, like I'm hoping to read more of Nigella Lawson because um, in her classic book, um, How to Eat, Jeanette Winterson does the introduction for that book. So it's a lot more literary than a lot of people think. And for anyone who knows Jeanette Winterson, she doesn't mince her words when it comes to talking about language and words. So for her to throw her weight behind that book was um, something that was always going to get me over the line. And I started reading it, but I want to put it in a position where I'm actually able to savour it because it's such a phenomenon and that's like what I'm really looking forward to reading yeah I wouldn't have picked you for a vintage cookbook I know, I know. <laughs> it's like you've got to give context it's like I love I love cooking because it's so methodical you know it's like such a process and you know I believe in really great 
produce and the work that goes into creating that produce and people who take time to, you know, rediscover flavor. And to me, you know, food is family. So um, I love that, you know, process. It's my me time in the kitchen, I would say. Yeah, that's awesome. And is there a book that you're looking forward to reading coming up? Um, there's so many, like people are always giving us recommendations and honestly, like our books, like our piles beside our beds are just getting dangerous at this point. (laughs) Um, and I'm just trying to think, like, I I can't even think about a single title because there's just so much at the moment that I'm looking forward to reading and actually sinking my teeth in. What I would really love, um, is to read, or actually some of my favourite authors to bring out new books is what I'm most looking forward to reading. I know that I don't have that power, but, you know, um, I love, you know, the American author Chloe Caldwell is like one of my favourite authors and I've loved all of her books and all of her novellas and I loved, I love her writing. Um, Same with Eliza Albert, very similar, you know, New York kind of gritty, fast-paced kind of style. Um, and the poet Kay Tempest, I'm really looking forward to um, seeing more of their work um, be published. And I've kind of got whispers that hopefully something more will come very soon. But that's what I'm, I'm, I'm so anticipa- anticipatory, you know, like I love the authors that I love and I just want them yeah. to keep bringing out new books. Amy's the one who reads a lot more widely than me. Like she, she will read anything. She'll give anything a go. She'll always be the first one to be like, yep, I'm looking forward to this. She knows she's got her ear to the ground, um, you know, that kind of thing. There's been a book released recently called How to Endo by Bridget Husswaite, um, which I'm really looking forward to reading um, and seeing, you know, her journey with endometriosis. And it's really great that, you know, something like that is really being normalised. So I'm really excited to um, read that particular book. Yeah, absolutely. So do you have a genre that you gravitate more towards? Yes. <laughs> um, Amy's always like, you know, your reading taste is so specific. What I like <laughs> is reading books about women in their, you know, late 20s, early 30s, living in New York, working in a bookshop and something happens. That is it. Like it's really like so specific. Um, like, you know, Chloe's, Chloe Caldwell's like, you know, collection of essays I'll tell you in person. You know, she's living in New York. She's working at the Strand, um, you know, but I love creative nonfiction because I feel like you really do get that insight into somebody else's life. And when creative nonfiction is done really well, it's just this beautiful mixture of, you know, um, nature and sociology and, you know, everything that we love and also hate about people blended into one, you know, and we start to look at um, inanimate objects a little bit differently as well. And, you know, we feel like we've, we've had a slice of life from somebody else um, I think that's what I really love. And um, I read a lot of short stories that are published in the New Yorker because I feel like, you know, we get so much great exposure to authors that we might not have ever heard of before. Um, you know, Cat Person was like a really great one. Everyone read that story. And I think it was such a great showing of how stories can connect people in this microcosm of, of a tiny snippet of something so, yeah, I just created nonfiction, I guess, if I really want to, you know, pinpoint a genre. Um, I don't read a lot of fiction, um, but I love poetry. So if all those things can combine, um, I'll always read it. Yeah, because I feel like 
Nonfiction is kind of one of those things where you either really enjoy it or just there's a lot of people who just are like, no, I don't read nonfiction. Yeah. yeah. How, how did you find that like in the shop? Oh, so I was like, I'm such a big advocate for the books that I love and I know that people will love if they give them a chance. And I think that with nonfiction, so many people think about, oh God, like a memoir about somebody, blah, blah, blah. Like it's really boring. It's not even written about them, but I'm like, no, it's so much better than that. You know, there's a beautiful essay called Pity, like Pity the Animal by Chelsea Hodgson and it's available online. You can read that. And that is the beauty of nonfiction in, you know, in, in the, within the first line, you'll fall in love with it. So um, I always was trying to push, you know, nonfiction and especially poetry. I got the most flack from because, you know, people think poetry like a oh, boring, like, you know, I studied, you know, X, Y, and Z in school and that's kind of lame, but I'm like, yeah, but you know, all of these like beautiful rap songs that, that you hear that are like artistry, you know, put together or, you know, spoken word poetry or beat poetry, all those kind of things, you know, that to me is real poetry and it's bringing poetry into the modern. Um, and that, that was a really hard sell for a lot of people, I think. Um, or even if I mentioned poetry, they would mention, you know, a few Instagram poets and I'm like, let's level up and, you know, try something, try something a bit more literary. I've got some people over the line, but some are, are a hard sell. Yes, definitely. Now to finish up our chat, we're going to play around a fast five with a bit of a bookshop twist on it. So number one, what has been the most popular book that you've sold in your time at the secret bookstore? Oh, Insomniac City by Bill Hayes um, or Animal People by Charlotte Wood. Ah, there you go. I haven't read either of those, so I've got FOMO now. (laughs) Uh, Number two, what is the most annoying thing people would ask you as a bookshop owner? Is this a bookshop? (laughs) Or or number two would be, um, oh, will you buy my books? That That was it. Interesting. As in they would come in the store and ask you that? Yes. So, you know, I've worked at a lot of different bookshops and some bookshops do buy books, but the books that bookshops are buying aren't your encyclopedias from 1989 and I don't want them and trying to communicate that in a really nice and friendly way is really tough. (laughs) Oh, so they're not even authors. They're coming in trying to sell their secondhand books. No, this is not authors. This is just like (laughs) Joe Blow off the street dragging in his dusty cockroach-eaten-like encyclopedias going, you girls will love these. Yeah, no. No, thanks. Yeah. Uh, Number three, what sells best, paperbacks or hardbacks? Oh, I think paperbacks, um, but there's a selection of diehard hardback fans, you know, and lots of people want their covers to be the same. I know that lots of people are annoyed in terms of the Harry Potter series that the first couple were never released you know, at least initially not in hardback and then now they're really hard to find. So, you know, I think softcover is a safer bet to buy and they're also more portable and if you drop them on your face, they do not hurt as much. <laughs> yes, so true. I had um, a hardback of Midnight Sun, like the latest Twilight one, and it's like nearly 800 pages and I was like, how can I read this in bed? Like it's just, it's not possible. <laughs> yeah, it's like lifting weights every second day. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And uh, number four, what is the best piece of feedback that you've received? 
this is a really beautiful space. I feel so welcome here is the biggest one or like it feels so great in here. You know, like we put the shop together on a budget of next to nothing and what we could find on the side of the road and for people to come into the shop and feel the energy that we had put into it, I think was the one thing. But, you know, now that we don't have the shop, I think the best piece of feedback we always can, you know, get is this is the book that I had been looking for. I didn't know it. This is the book that I needed to read. Thank you so much. And it happens all the time. You know, how did you know that I needed to read this? How did you know that this is the book for me? I never would have picked this up. You know, thank you so much. I gave it a chance because you recommended it. Um, And, you know, that's the magic of secret book stuff. Yeah. Can you think uh, off the top of your head a few of the books that you've recommended that have surprised people? Um, I think that um, animal people really surprised a lot of people um, in terms of, you know, it's not a book that we would normally recommend. You know, I don't read a lot of fiction, but I was like so behind this book. And I think that, you know, it really shook people, you know, to the core a lot of the time. Um, And, you know, some nonfiction books that we send to a couple of people as well, um, you know, from classics like, you know, The Alchemist, which I guess is more fable, more than nonfiction, and, you know, some Lisa Messenger books that we sent out um, because we're both big fans. So, you know, we, we didn't even know that these people were starting a business and then, you know, we send them a Lisa Messenger book and they're like, this has changed everything that I, you know, thought I knew about business. So those kind of things are, are definitely the biggest surprise that we always get. Yeah. And number five, um, what is one thing you are most excited for, for Secret Book Stuff in 2021? I'm just, I'm so excited for where Secret Book Stuff wants to go. And I know that sounds like such an esoteric, like, oh, you know, cop out, but I feel like I am just so over the moon with what secret book stuff has done as like its own little entity um and sometimes it really does take us along for the ride but I really think that you know doing lots more events bringing lots more authors to Newcastle and obviously the van um for me on like a personal level because I get to be so heavily involved um with the build thanks to a good friend of ours who's letting me basically you know stand next to him while while he's doing a lot of the work so um I think that that um, is what I'm really excited about and just in general possibility you know it's 2021 post-COVID literally anything could happen exactly and will you guys be documenting um the journey that you have with the van because you're doing it up and that at the moment are you going to be documenting yeah. that along the way a hundred percent we definitely will be I feel like people are just wondering because it's at such a standstill because we kind of like spent all of our savings which was not a lot on this van that we picked up from an old couple in Walker in New South Wales um and you know it needs a little bit of work but um apparently you need money to be able to do this work so you know society and all so um it's just going to take a little bit of time but once we get started I know that there'll be no stopping us and I can't wait to you know show people what what the van will look like and our ideas behind it yeah so is the big plan to like travel around Australia with it or are you going to stay a bit more local Oh, 100%. I want to live in it for a year, to be honest. Like, I want us to, like, you know, travel and see Australia because 
Um, it's such a great way, to, you know, to see the country. And I feel like, you know, hashtag van life gets a bit of a, a bad rap. But, you know, I, I really want you know, the biggest thing about the van is making it um, as sustainable as possible, um, you know, harnessing, you know, solar power and being really conscious of, you know, um, like leave nothing behind kind of vibe. So I think that um, that's really what I, what I love to do because, you know, no one really knows where they want to live until they've seen it. So, yeah, I love that. I can't wait to watch what you guys get up to in the van. <laughs> uh, Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. If you're wanting to check out the Secret Bookstuff feed, you can find them on Instagram at Secret Bookstuff. And thank you again for joining me. No worries. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this episode, please let me know. You can subscribe and leave me a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or find me on Instagram at So Novel Podcast. Thanks for listening. And until next time, happy reading.